0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get-off-my-lawn cast featuring the open-minded musings of two mid-40s curmudgeons valiantly staring down the prospect of their rapidly impending entertainment irrelevance. We are back after a hiatus. I have returned from the land of Australia. Uh, Mr. Bill Scurry, my co-host, is in the United States visiting us again. But, uh, oh, I should tell you who I am. My name is Noah Tarno. I am the founder and senior quiz master of The Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show Spectacular, and aforementioned my co-host. Sir, you
1: are... Bill Scary. I have been aforementioned. Um, yes, Yes, I, I am the co-host and uh, founder of American Caesar Enterprises, uh, and the yes. co- co-host and founder of The Big Quiz Thing as well.
0: No, you're not. You're a liar. Uh, so... It's good to be back, my friend. Uh, We uh, took a little time off, but uh, one more show in before the end of the new year. And, uh, you know, what we do on the show every time is we look at some trend that is, if not current, at least newer than when we were uh, paying attention to what was going on. And uh, this one, um, you know, uh, uh, we had Christmas was a few days. How was your Christmas, Bill? Was it good?
1: Yeah, it's fine. That's why we, we came back to the States. We've been in New York for right. a week and a half or so hey. doing Christmas. So, yeah, it was nice to see family and friends again, you know, even if for a short you, while. You and your
0: very, very Jewy wife enjoyed the, Highly the Jew-y. Noel holiday. Right. So, I, you know, I, I had this idea. I actually got this idea when I was down in Australia and, and seeing various Christmas paraphernalia. Um, and, you know, it's never too late. So, we're looking at something called the Elf on the Shelf which uh, is now about 14, 15 years old, but definitely emerged you know, once we hit adulthood. And it is a kind of child-centered thing, so it, it passed over my head. I was aware it existed, but I, I really had no idea what it was about. So we're investigating that today, going to try to figure out what it's about, maybe explain it to you and tell you what we think about it. So the Elf on the Shelf is many things. It's a tradition. It's a book. It's a cartoon. It's, it's a dessert. A, uh, it's a
1: dessert uh, topping it's, and, it's a a, and a floor wax.
0: And it's a floor topping and a dessert wax. Uh, it's a, a franchise, really. And it started, well, it started way back. It was the private family tradition of the Abersold family of Georgia. That's Georgia, in the United States, not Georgia, the former Soviet Republic. Uh, and uh, one Carol Abersold uh, did this tradition with her daughters, Chanda Bell and Krista Pitts, who are twins. And basically what she would do is during the Christmas season leading up to Christmas, uh, every morning the kids would wake up and find an elf doll positioned in a different place in the house. And the idea is uh, it would be this hide-and-seek every morning. Not really hide-and-seek, but scavenger hunt. They would have to find where the elf is and, of course, where they were asleep. Uh, the elf would be repositioned by the parents. The idea is the elf is in the emissary of Santa Claus and... Uh, The elf is watching the kids, and every night the elf flies back to the North Pole, reports to Santa on their behavior so that Santa can put them on the proper list, naughty or nice, decide if they're going to get the Barbie Make Me Pretty or the Lump of Coal, whatever. And then the elf comes back and, of course, in the middle of the night, uh, mom or dad or whoever reposition the elf. Uh, Yes, everyone, Santa's not real. We just gave it away. Uh, So, you know, it became a fun tradition in their family. And then about 2005, by then the daughters were adults, pretty sure they're several years older than us at least, uh, they decided to, you know, share this tradition with the world. So uh, Carol in one of her daughters, I don't remember which one, uh, wrote a book in verse, the story of the elf on the shelf, and self-published the book and sold it at craft fairs and things like that. Uh, the book in a kit with a box and a doll, an elf doll that you can reposition. And then it kind of took off in 2007. Jennifer Garner, the actress, was photographed with an elf on a shelf. And the Today Show did a segment. And here we are in 2019, and close to 15 million elves on these shelves have been sold. So this has become uh, basically a, a tentpole of the American mainstream Christmas tradition. People buy these elves, they They position them. Their kids try to find them in the morning. There is a huge ecosystem online on places like Pinterest and whatnot of ideas of wacky ways to, you know, basically dioramas to make with your elf so that the kid is delighted when they find them in the morning. You know, they find the elf and the elf has gotten into some mischief. And then, of course, you know, because we live in 2019, people take photos of this crap and put it all over social media. What do you think of the elf on the shelf?
1: Well, it's stupid because it's a tiny little thing. It's a fucking toy, a, a, a nugget of foam and plastic that they sell. And I could appreciate the entrepreneurs. What, entrepreneur what, 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 do, what
0: do you? What do you really think, Bill? What do you really?
1: <laughs> think? This woman Aber uh, and her and her daughters. Uh, these 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 uh, you know suburbanites. Uh, I mean, the, just the the absolute. I'm not trying to slur the suburbanites. It's just this is you so, just spit
0: you spit out the word suburbanite like they're talking about so, people who who like do dog fighting.
1: It's it's so mere. It's so typical. It's so stereotypical. The kind of shit that comes out of this. It's so toothless. It's a mixture of cloying, mawkish sentimentality. Uh, you know, dressed up as as some sort of tradition, as as you like to say, where you're, you're you know, this thing, you know, becomes a tradition as you were texting me uh, uh, all these articles from Vice and whatnot about how people feel about this, how it shakes out, what people actually think to ponder it. I mean, again, it's it's just a toy and it's just a little ritual. And then it became codified into this thing that people were trying to syndicate in houses all over the place. And, um you know, one of the very first things I read about this, even before I read about the origin of Elf on a Shelf, was the the, the words of this woman, Laura Pinto, a professor who... Oh, um, yeah.
0: She's she's quoted heavily in the Vice article. Yeah. Yes,
1: yes. So she's sort of become the uh, uh, the lodestone for the anti-Elf on a Shelf movement, where she is liking it to a surveillance state. You know, the whole yeah. idea is yeah. that the the Elf on a Shelf... I mean, it is just a doll. However, the animation of it between parents and children is that you're being viewed by it. So it's supposed yeah. to alter Heisenberg principle uh, appropriate. It's supposed to alter your children's behavior in the run right. up you know. Right. so what
0: and, and part here, of the myth is you're not, the kid's not allowed to touch the elf. Yes. That's yes. like a rule. It loses its magic or something. There, like there,
1: there's, there's, there's some really, tal, ironically, there's some Talmudic rules for the elf on a shelf. <laughs> And I, I thought that that was bizarre. Um, I mean, if you go to the website, you check the FAQ. There's what you like. If you touch the elf, right, you're supposed to write a note to the elf apologizing for touching it. If you, <laughs> and and if you touch, did no, did you did you not read this? You didn't read this, right? I, I
0: did. I stayed away from the. Okay. I I wanted a neutral viewpoint. I stayed away from the official Elf on the Shelf website.
1: Yeah. So this is this is a lot like. Um, I, it just. If, 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 right, so if you touch it, you write a letter to the no, uh, to the elf apologizing. The second, this is ridiculous. Apparently, you're supposed to sprinkle cinnamon near the elf. What? Cinnamon is like magic vitamins for the elf. That will because Fuck that. touching touching the elf on a shelf deprives it of power uh, of of its you know magic. So if you sprinkle cinnamon around it, you give the magic back. It's a restorative. Elixir, and then the third thing, the, the third element of sealing the compact between human souls and the elf, <laughs> is that you're supposed to sing the elf Christmas carols, and that oh fuck that, Phil. It's coming with magic again. Oh so, yes, shut up! It's really almost hey, like Chris- uh, the the Shabbos goy turning on a light. There's there's this all these fucking rules uh, that are that are appropriate. So I I, I I think it's dumb, right? I think this is stupid. Yeah. I, I don't buy into Christmas. I haven't in a, in a long time. I think that the American obsession with Christmas, and we got into this a little bit with the Pumpkin Spice episode a couple of months back, the, the fetish, with his, which is both commercial and also political, that um, Christmas is being codified into something more so than it ever has been before, into the culture conf. Where it be Christmas becomes a side that you're on because obviously it's not Jewish. Obviously, it's not fucking, you know, Muslim. It winds up being a thing that a flag you can wave, another team sport of competitive yeah. Christmasing. Which yeah. is why there are Christmas stores in every major mall all year round. And they're All was, year round. Yeah, that wasn't the Who case goes when we were a Christmas kids. store in August. In fucking August. Yeah. I mean, I, The Elf on a Shelf is, like I said, at best, sentimental and mawkish. At worst, yeah. it gets your kids ready for the nanny state. I mean, yeah. Regardless of, if you're going to fall somewhere in the middle of those two things, it is um, just more empty, hollow, uh, uh, Christian culture, judeo not even Judeo-Christian, Christian-Christian fetishization of, of something else that is being made to seem like it's just a normal part Right. of America as a culture, right? And, right? and,
0: and by the way, if we're talking about Christian, Jesus is Jesus is not involved with the elf at all. This is the thing that gets me. It's people talk about a war on Christmas. Like, it's a fucking war. You know, if it if it is a war, and it's the most incompetently fought war in the history of mankind, if it is a war.
1: <laughs> it's like, a ground campaign.
0: <laughs> right, it's like fucking, it, what's your religion? Is your religion Santa Claus and the elf on the shelf? Is your religion Jesus, right? Yeah. Like... Mm-hmm. Get real, man. Anyway, sorry. So, what do you um, think? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, there there's several intersecting things here I don't like, and you kind of you kind of touched on all of them. There's a the surveillance state thing, and this article, this Vice article, which is very interesting. You know, really, really says, look, people criticize Santa Claus for some of the same things. The idea with Santa that. You know, he sees you when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake, and, and you got to be good, and Santa's watching you, and and also just the lie. I mean, I was recently reading a book about conspiracies, and they were defining a conspiracy, and their definition was it has sinister intent. So they mention Santa Claus. They say, look, you could say that the adult population is engaged in a conspiracy lying to children about the existence of Santa Claus, but they say we, we don't count that because there's no sinister intent, but— there is criticism in studies of like is Santa Claus bad for kids in the lie. And and most of the conclusions are it's not. Like they do surveys of like 10-year-old kids or whatever and they're like you remember finding out Santa wasn't real, were you upset? And they're like virtually no child is. Yeah. You know. You know, usually if you find out your parents lied to you about something, you're usually upset, right? But Santa you're not. Um, you know, they say the more common thing is pride. They're like, "Oh, well now I'm a big kid. I know something the little kids don't." So, uh, you know, uh, there are differing opinions, and it's it's something worth chewing over. But the, the consensus is that Santa is a harmless myth. And I I was recently lying to my niece about the tooth fairy, and I got to tell you, it was fucking hilarious. I'm sorry. And to her credit, she she kept pushing me on it. She knew something didn't add up. She's like, I don't know. How does that work? And I'm, you know, I'm saying it with a laugh in my voice, and I'm being ridiculous. So, like, it's like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So, whatever. Um... But there are differences. First of all, Santa isn't trademarked. Santa wasn't created in 2005. Like him or hate him, and however much influence Coca-Cola had on the creation of the modern Santa image, and there's debate over that, Santa is not a trademark character. Santa organically grew up as part of our culture. So it feels a little more honest that Santa is a tradition, right? Not something that was created in Georgia 15 years ago, right? It's like these things that people own are at the center of life. Like, what's next? Childhood, a trademark of Dow Chemical. You know, it, it's just. Also, Santa has warmth. Santa has good qualities to him. The elf is just is just a tattletale. The elf is just a flunky, a snitch for right? Santa, a snitch. You know, Santa gives you stuff. Also, Santa, there's mercy. Like, what kid has ever actually received coal? Santa gives even the naughty kids something, right? So there's that. There's a surveillance state thing. There's the trademark thing. Uh, And then, this is something we talked about recently with gender reveal parties, right? The performative parenting aspect. All these websites. Here are ideas and wacky murals and dioramas you can set up in the middle of the night. You know, never mind that you have a job and you're raising children, but all this work you have to do while your kid's asleep to entertain your kid in the morning and then to take a photo and put it on uh, Instagram, That it becomes this like we're all marketing ourselves via social media. And that is a corrosive trend in my opinion. And by the way, this is not to entertain your kid. This is to entertain yourself. Oh, yes. Because your kid does not need the elaborate tableau of the elf taking a bubble bath in the sink. Your kid does not need the tableau of the elf melting a snowman. Again, I'll reference my niece. She's six years old. A few months ago, we were playing what she called the slime game, which is she had a little lump of slime. She left her bedroom and counted to 50, and I hid the lump of slime somewhere in her bedroom. She came in, found the lump of slime, squealed with delight, made me leave the bedroom. She hid the lump of slime. That's it. And this was the most fun she had. And later after, Anki, can we play the slime game again? Trust me, she did not need to find an elf in an elaborate display fit for Pinterest. Kids don't need that much. Kids will play with a fucking cardboard box half the time. You're doing this for yourself. Performative parenting. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. It makes us feel bad because we're not as clever or imaginative or polished. We don't market ourselves as well as other people. And this is part of what social media is doing to us. You know, there's, I, so, there's so many bad things involved
1: in this. I have to say, I actually, I feel a little cheated here because I thought the slime game was our thing, Noah. <laughs> <laughs> and how is little Matthew, Deedlepeep? Well,
0: he didn't want to eat his vegetables at dinner. Oh, no. But then he did, and he liked them.
1: Hooray! <laughs> and what about young Marshall, Scrabby?
0: I want a new kid, Santa.
1: But <laughs> why? You've been watching Marshall for 13 years. Yeah. Things have changed this year.
0: <laughs> oh, he figured out he could do a, something with his body.
1: Noah Tarno, recently returned from Australia. Tell me something. Why the hell is Elf on a Shelf popular at this point? At this point?
0: I was talking about, like, everything we talk about. The, it went viral, whatever. It was on the Today Show. Um... But the performative parenting thing is – this is the insidiousness of social media in general is that, you know, it's a way to show yourself off. And we feel this pressure, this societal pressure to show ourselves off. And the elf provides a good way to do it. There's also, as you say, how Christmas becomes this hyper-important, we must do Christmas well. If we don't do Christmas right, we are bad Christians. We are bad Americans. I'm sure there are people who are saying, yeah, they're bad Americans, bad patriots. You know, this idea that christmas is the most american thing in the world separation of church and state motherfucker read the constitution um so yeah the pre- it, it's a way to show off your bona fides as a good parent as a good american a good christian i think that's all bullshit but that's where our culture is so that feeds on itself over and over again and i will say this i will give a credit if it if it's You know, the way the Abersolds did it when their daughters were kids, that's fine. It's silly, but it's sweet. Uh, It's okay as a personal tradition. The problem is when it becomes a national, trademarked, copyrighted, you know, uniform tradition. That's the problem. And, you know, because it does have this air of sweetness to it, and there's something fun to it. And kids like finding this crap. Like my niece loved the slime game, but it doesn't have to be an elf you know owned by someone it can be a lump of fucking slime covered in lint yeah so let's step back and see what's really great about it and do we have to push it to these levels we don't
1: yeah i think that's uh, that's very eloquently stated i mean that is pretty Thank much that, that, <laughs> no, my notes say something almost like verbatim it's it's another way to sort of celebrate christmas but it becomes the competitive idea that you can win at christmas and then it's not just household against household, which, speaking of, you know, you, you use the, the word insidious. Um, I, I have the bigger feeling it's not just household and household. It's households, Christian households, acting as teams in Team Christmas, all keeping up their end of the bargain, fighting against Team Jew and Team Other. Um, you know, I mean, Hanukkah
0: has never— Well, look, Hanukkah. Which religion are you, Christian, Jewish, or Other.
1: Right, Hanukkah has never been turned into for as many Jews as there are in the United States, especially in our respective you know where we've spent most of our lives. Uh, Hanukkah was never uh, uh, interlaced in the fabric of life. I mean, Hanukkah has a different meaning. I mean, I what we, I, I think it, I think it was interlaced in the fabric of life where
0: we lived. No, more so. Most of the yeah. United. No, yeah. i look, dude, like. Uh. You live in real Jewish places and Hanukkah is like one step behind Christmas in the in the popular ideal. Right, at right. least it, at least among our circles, among yeah, white yeah, people. Yeah. You know? But at the same yeah.
1: time, you know, Hanukkah, as I've been led to understand, does not it's not doesn't mean the same. It's become no, it's, it's a mi- it's
0: it's a minor holiday.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, a minor holiday. Thing.
0: It's but, you but, know, the, the major Jewish holidays are serious shit. Yom yes. kippur. They're not fun. Hanukkah's a fun holiday. Yeah. You're supposed to have fun, you're supposed to spin dreidels and give children chocolate, but it's not the Jewish Christmas and it's no. only been elevated to that because yes. we want we didn't want Jewish kids to feel left out. That's yeah.
1: it. But but Christmas is like the Yankees, you know, they just have the biggest payroll. <laughs> they just buy yeah. the shit. Yeah, yeah. and and yeah. it's like it, it's not enough that you have this thing. It has to crush all around it. And I mean, I I said I can't say I can't do what you did Back there, better in terms of explaining why it's popular, but I can say no, that spending no one can, <laughs> no, it can't be done, can't be yeah. done. But spending the last few months in uh, uh, Amsterdam and the Netherlands, and of course, Amsterdam is not representative of the Netherlands. Amsterdam is probably representative of the province of Holland, which is the urbanized, uh, multicultural, polyglot uh, Western you know ideal of what a country is whereas the rest of it is in many cases agrarian uh, less suburban more exurban or rural farms and people who certainly move slower but nonetheless in Amsterdam culture Christmas is not this gigantic foot that comes out of the sky to stomp on you Christmas is something that winds up being celebrated uh, a lot more quietly there's plenty of lights around uh, there, there's spectacles here and there but overseas you know their version of, of you know, it's St. Nicholas and quite literally St. Right. Nicholas is the patron saint of Amsterdam. The actual Spaniard who walked across the continent. I believe his bones are actually, uh, some of his bones are in, in tomb somewhere in the city of Amsterdam. Come on. No, and, there's he, no way it's really he, his bones. It's, there's no way it's his bones, but you get the point. Yeah. So he wears a miter like the Pope and he wears right, long yeah. red robes and he looks very much like the Catholic, whatever figure or the, I don't know what the fuck if it's Christian, if it's Catholic or whatever. Um, but that's their relationship with it. And it has been very, refreshing to not have christmas's big dick just like poked in my face every half hour
0: i I tell you christmas is over the top in australia which is especially weird because it's summer in australia yeah and i had a funny moment i'm walking down the beach in in beach which is a uh, like a party beach town right yeah uh that's where i went is that where i went surfing I think it was near early beach i lose track man that was a crazy trip
1: yes it was. anyway
0: walking down the street summer day people walking you know totally boiling hot total beach town you know all the stores are selling souvenirs and inflatable stuff and not only their christmas decorations but they're blasting christmas songs on the street and uh, interesting thing i discovered about australia is their pop culture is like our pop culture like they don't really care about australian stuff like all their favorite tv shows and movies not all, but mostly in music, is American. So it's not like, you know, Bing it's it's some Bing Crosby, but like I love Bruce Springsteen, but like by far my least favorite Bruce Springsteen song is his cover of Santa Claus is coming to town. I find that sure. song endlessly infuriatingly annoying. And I said, wow, I discovered something even more annoying about this song. It being blasted on the street in a beach town in Australia when it's eighty four degrees outside.
1: In our house, Santa Eustace and an Elf. To watch over us during the day and, of course, would fly back and report to him Mm -hmm. every night. And that's what my mom told us growing up. And then every day the elf would fly back from the North Pole and land in a different spot in the house. And we were just so absorbed by the whole magic of the tradition. You know, I had an elf that talked to Santa Claus, a direct line.
0: If Elf on the Shelf had been a tradition when you were a child, well, I'm curious, like, do you think... I mean, I assume your family had a Christmas tree, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and were, were you fed the Santa myth when you were a child?
1: I don't remember that. I really don't. I really? Um, yeah, okay. Santa wasn't really a part of the thing. I don't think they ever tried to. I, there was no push in the house to keep it going. My mother you know, still even to this day, does push Christmas around. For her, it winds up being this festiveness where she likes the trimming. She likes the arrangement of of geegaws and shiny little ornaments and and, and tinsel and lights. And she loves all that shit. I mean, and she did when we were kids in the 80s. and, And she still does to some degree now. And she's in her 60s. I mean, I think she does it for herself because she enjoys the trappings of it. But do, do, you, do you think she would have adopted – if Elf on the Shelf had been
0: around when you were a kid, do you think she would have adopted that?
1: I think she would have bought one to have it, but I don't necessarily think she would have played the home game. Uh, it it just would have been – it would have been another ornament. I mean, honestly, just right. another thing. I see. Yeah,
0: so, but, so there wouldn't have been the element of you and your brother waking up no. in the morning and running around the house and trying to find the elf?
1: Nothing like that, no. I mean, I, okay. it, look, I feel today like Elf on the Shelf is saccharine and, and puerile. It's cloying. And it's suburban. Uh, Would I have thought that when I was seven or eight years old? I mean, how, honestly, maybe even younger. I guess you'd have to hit kids with this shit younger. Um, I I just don't see it as being anything other than another artifact in the house. The culture, the the little game you're supposed to play wouldn't have been there. But I don't think if if you tried to pull that shit over me, I just would have said, this is dumb. This isn't my version of. (laughs) That's not my ritual. You know, I don't think of Christmas that way. Whatever I thought of it as, you know, it would have been over and done with. So, no, I I wouldn't have cared. And I'm assuming this has got to be a scrub question for you because it's not like you guys put a tree up or anything like that.
0: No, and by the way, I'm I sure I've told you this story. Years ago, I had a girlfriend who was not Jewish and uh, I helped her buy a Christmas tree because we were dating over the holidays and, and I said, carrying the Christmas tree back to her apartment, I said, wow, I've never bought a Christmas tree before. She said, what? Why not? And I, like, we've been dating like <laughs> what do you think? five months or something and I went, uh, have we met? Because I'm <laughs> Jewish. And she's like, well, when I was growing up, I knew Jewish kids who got Christmas trees and I was like, well, you know what? Like, that's their right but like, I'm very glad my parents didn't do that because I'm sorry, man. Even though Christmas has become in this country less and less about Jesus and more, you know, and you actually hear interesting stories about, like, recent immigrants. Mm-hmm. Like, I read a story about, like, devout Hindus from India who celebrate Christmas because they yes, view sure. it as an American thing. It's, it's a similar Right. And part of me is, like, I feel like if I were a real, like, a Christian who, like, goes to church and reads the Bible and all that, like, I would be offended by that. Now I actually asked this a buddy of mine in college who devout Catholic like read the Bible all that cross above the bed but nice guy I said I said how does the commercialization commercialization of Christmas not bother you and he said growing up Chris he's like Christmas was like bifurcated he's like there was Jesus and we went to church and there was that and he said and then uh, you know there was Santa and I was a kid and I couldn't wait for Santa to bring me shit you know so whatever he's he's a lot more mentally healthy than I ever was but it it's You know, I just feel like, why would I get a Christmas tree, right? Like, I'm fucking Jewish. So much of my identity, like it or not, stands in opposition to this. Not opposition like I hate it, but opposition like we're the outsiders. We're different. There is something different about us, right? So if Jewish Americans want to get a Christmas tree, okay, like, that's their right. But, like, thank fucking God my parents didn't do that, right? Like, I'm not a fan of that. So, yeah, we never would have had the elf. But that being said... I loved playing the slime game with my niece. I feel like if Elf on the Shelf had been around when I was a kid, I would have been a little jealous of the tradition, right? Because I would have loved—I would have really enjoyed waking up every morning with this little treat of trying to find the elf, right? So, you know, yes, it would have been an N.A. for me because I'm a Jew boy, but I would have I would have liked it if given the opportunity. Sure, why not? I am, I'm imagining some scenario where, like, I sleep over at a Christian friend's house— over the Christmas holidays, and I'm totally excited in the morning to help him find the elf. You said you wanted us in the show. Yeah, but I didn't know they would actually do that. What did you think they were going to do? We didn't know
1: they could eat. Noah, is there any part of this little cloying lump of plastic that somehow signifies the apocalypse? Yep. Yes. (laughs) In several ways. There's
0: the normalization of the surveillance state. You're being watched. You can't touch it. It's reporting back to the authority, but it loves you. Fuck that. There's that. There's the performative parenting. Everyone's got to be their own PR agent. Shit. Makes everyone feel bad about themselves because they're not as they're not as good marketing themselves as everyone else. I have to outdo everyone else. I have to perform. Oh, it's awful. It's awful. Never compare your behind-the-scenes footage to other people's highlight reels. But this is what social media does to us. It's terrible. And then there is the, you know, childhood is now a trademark. And, like, we've been seeing this, by the way, with Disney for years. The idea that, like, Disney characters in Disney movies become this, like... Like, I remember being creeped out by something I saw where, like, someone... They brought their baby home from the hospital and they already like tricked out the nursery with everything as people do. But the nursery was just covered in pictures of like Disney characters. And I'm like, oh, like, you know, like someone owns these characters. Someone sold you these characters to make money. Like it's just really creepy that childhood, that tradition, that family become owned by private companies. Mm -hmm. It's not good in any way. And the fact that this has become a quote unquote tradition and it was literally like created 15 years ago by people who are like not even, you know, still alive is just. I remember being disturbed when I learned that Happy Birthday, that someone owned the trademark to the song Happy Birthday. Right, I remember right. like that made me uncomfortable. Trademark expired. No one owns it anymore. That's but, true. Um, you know, because something like that, Happy Birthday, something universal, everybody knows it, nobody owns it, it's just there. Right. And I feel like people treat the elf in the shelf that way. I mean, they treat Santa that way, but it's true about Santa like him or hate him. Santa is an organic part of culture. The Elf in the shelf is not.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I don't exactly think it's a sign of the apocalypse because um, uh, there are other parts of Christmas. You know, this is just a sort of salvo uh, of of the ongoing culture conf with Christmas. I don't think it's necessarily it doesn't deepen the trough much worse than it already is. Like I already have, I already have problems with how competitive Christmas is, and, and again, seeing how people have turned it into a cudgel in the the extremely codified, uh, politically fragmented world that we live in, the, this highly um, highly competitive thing. Uh, it is it is grim. Um, I mean, everything you're saying is absolutely true in that you're warming kids up to a nanny state. Uh, you know, the abrogation of privacy... It's it's that's a grim development to kind of like kick off with a toy line of of all things. I have to uh, admit something is that before we started doing this, I my impression of the Elf on a Shelf, I thought it literally was a recording device. I took it literally. <laughs> I was curious about it.
0: beforehand.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was too. I didn't really know. I just heard it was a surveillance thing, so right, I, right, I, was, I didn't think I, of it that much. Well, but, I mean, yeah. I, th- I thought that there was somehow a recording device either inside the belly or through the eyes, or if it was sound or something like that. I thought it was uh, you know like a USB radio or a Bluetooth device or something. I didn't realize it was just a, uh, you know, it was animated to have this sort of um, impression that it was a a sentinel, a watcher. Um, So it's like that would have been much worse if it was actually a device with a powered battery inside of it. That would have been really grim. Yeah, yeah, that would
0: have been worse. It's not, so it's not as bad as you feared, you're saying. Yeah,
1: it's like, but I'd go up the food chain to whoever this Abrasold woman is, and it's like the impulse by which that she decided to... um, create more competitive uh, uh, you know a competitive streak. You can win at Christmas, you can do it harder, you can be more more yeah. Christmassy, more, you know, yeah. Christian-y. That part yes. to You me, must show proper family spirit!
0: Love! Peace! Damn it! Oh my god mom! We have a flipping house! <laughs> 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 so uh Bill, is any of your Hatred for the concept of the elf on the shelf, uh, rooted in jealousy.
1: No, you know I don't. I don't. Um, I don't play the. I don't play the Christmas game, man. You know I haven't had a tree since I left my house on Long Island way back in the way back in the day when I was going to college. Uh, you know I just don't do any of that shit. And I mean, as a holiday, I'm, I'm happy that it. You know, we did. We did. You know, Jewish Christmas. We went out to the my my wife's family as we always do on Christmas Day. And, you know, the guy pours a great bottle of, of, of champagne and red wine, and they make a bird. And it's an, it's an element. There's a reason why we all get together. It's to, you know, have this occasion. There's nothing Christmassy about it. It is just December 25th, and that's when we do it. if it's possible to separate Christmas from, you know, a holiday that you just—it's like an American postal holiday, then that's what we try to do. But having garland or a wreath— or that bullshit isn't part of my thing. So I'm not, I'm not jealous of other people who get to do this. I don't not like it because somehow it, it, it makes me feel like I'm losing Christmas. It is a bit of an N.A. where, you know, I mean, I, I have a, a kind of loathing for the in, the impulse by which this was created. You know, this, this, you mentioned the social media thing, which is another buy-in too. And that's, that's very important. I mean, I, I, the way you said it was also, again, eloquent in that – it is a way to, I believe your term was to show your match up your behind the scenes footage with other people's highlight reels. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't coin that phrase. No, I know, I know. You're you're employing it. It's fine. Yeah. Um, the, you know that 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 way lies madness. Um, so you know I don't feel the need to to trumpet. I I put jokes out. I put Cobra Commander memes. That's what I put out into the world. No one needs to know my daily travail uh, psychologically if, if it's going around. So. I know. That I, really I, like, we, would, we would go mad if we heard your daily travail, Bill. <laughs> I, do you have any, is there any jealousy? I'm going to guess this guy can't possibly be.
0: Well, I, you know, I'm jealous of everything we talk about because it's more famous
1: than me. It's different. I, that's not – I know what you're saying. I'm, I'm mildly
0: jealous because these women, you know, had this idea, which, again, I think is a fine idea for a personal family tradition, for something that just gets passed around, like, like collecting the money in – in the center of the board and free parking, you know, these things that aren't codified. Um, I think it's fine. Um, but yeah, so I'm jealous that their little thing, you know, went viral to the extent that it made them a lot of money and it got them recognition. I and mean, I was reading the little company they set up now employs 83 full time people. Yeah. Like I run a little business, it employs one full time person, you know, like 15 or 20 part time people. But you know, I'd love my business to ascend to those levels. I'd love think pieces about my ideas. Like, sure. You
1: yeah, but know, you're not because
0: I'm, I'm an egomaniac. But, but, but you're not you're not you
1: slugging it out in the same space as they are. There's just there's no way you can compete. Mm, Nor just you slugging it out. Too.
0: They're slugging it out in the market. You know, a market. I mean, yeah. a market, America. I mean, it's. I, I think there's a there's 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 some kind of comparison there. I, I mean, I'm not jealous because I'm not, I'm not like these people. So, like, my world is very different from them. Yeah. But yeah, I, you know, I'm jealous of everyone, Bill. I am a stew of psychoses. As much as we'd all go mad seeing your daily travails on Facebook, like, think about how much worse it would be if it were mine. But that,
1: this brings us to the climactic end of the podcast yes. and the yes. final, the final rack, which yes. is which is our measure of the felonian scale. Yeah. Um, on on the, yeah. the spectrum of Jimmy Fallon is uh, the heat death of the universe. He is uh, uh, stepping on a nail filled with tetanus. And on the other side, it is unicorns and a pastrami sandwich and everything good that people love. Based on uh, the vast array of things. Wait, discussed wait, 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 wait,
0: slow down. Are you making pastrami out of unicorn meat?
1: Well, I mean, that's I, I didn't know there was another way to do that. So, where would you put uh, where would you put this on the felonian scale?
0: Uh, well, you know, I, I I mentioned the gender reveal parties because I think it has a lot of a lot of the negative repercussions are similar to the gender reveal thing, the social media aspect. But as we as we pointed out many times, it's not just that; it's also the surveillance element. It's also the marketing commodify commoditization of family tradition. So, wherever I placed gender reveal parties on the scale, which was pretty damn low down. I'm gonna put this like double that, okay? Yeah. So whatever yeah. depth, whatever depth gender reveal parties reached, check your notes, check check your graphs, <laughs> double that depth, and uh, so we're we're getting you know we're in we're in felonian territory down there. We're low. That's true. With yeah, this. yeah. You're not we're wrong. fucking fucking would- low with this.
1: I'm going to rank this with pumpkin spice, and I think that my rank. Oh, pumpkin, pumpkin spice,
0: spice isn't nearly as destructive, dude. Come
1: on. Uh, no, it's not as destructive, but the the this is where I stumbled across this realization that they are making Christmas into something that lasts six calendar months, twelve calendar months, and the fact uh, that are, he- uh, well, are they? Are they? Are
0: people hiding the elf in the shelf in July? I mean, I don't. No, think they are.
1: no, but but it's it's creating. It's uh, uh, it's overfilling its banks. It's a river that is flooding the entire alluvial plain where you're just creating more Christmas and the fetishization of Christmas where you want more of it and it becomes a bigger thing and there are more pieces to it. It's not just the simple idea of a tree and going to bed on December 24th and waking up on the 25th. It has to be a frickin' decathlon that goes on all year long with all these other things that you have. It's got taste sensations. It's got rituals. It's got secret Santas. And it's, it's, again, the Christmas stores in every stupid mall of King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, where you can buy a frickin' topper in August. So, uh, you know, that's... The pumpkin spice to me is the thing that reminded me of that, where people are beginning the season earlier and earlier every year. All right, Bill. So
0: Christmas is now officially over.
1: Oh, yeah, Christmas, we, we the shut day the day on it.
0: We shut the book on Christmas 2019. Uh, we move on to 2020. Uh, so take us home, my friend.
1: So, everybody, if you'd like to find past episodes of our show, we are on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Tweet to us, at Noah Bill Show. Write to us, NoahAndBillDon'tGetIt, gmail.com. And give us a review on Apple Podcasts, too. As has been said over and over again, that's how people find our episodes. You can converse with us individually in our own uh, inimicable ways. I am on Twitter, at William Scurry, uh, and my video content is on YouTube at youtube.com slash amcaesar. And Noah is also highly approachable. He'll tell you how. Highly approachable. Uh, yeah, I'm all about the big
0: quiz thing, bigquizthing.com. Uh, we do corporate and private trivia events, fundraisers, you name it. Uh, Coast to coast, 2019, our best year yet, closed it out, very happy, and we move on to 2020, booking events fast for the new year, so uh, hit us up, bigquizthing.com. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I am personally on Twitter, at Noah Tarno, and I might have an exciting announcement coming up soon. I'm hoping to have an exciting announcement coming up soon. You know what this is about, Bill, right? Don't announce it. Don't give it away.
1: You're making pastrami out of unicorn meat, like you said. I'm making
0: pastrami out of unicorn meat. Uh, By the way, I once got in a big fight with a guy at the sandwich counter because they asked for turkey pastrami on my sandwich, and he gave me turkey and pastrami. Wow. Well, this is how dumb this dude was. He worked at a fucking deli counter. I think it was his first day. Uh He didn't know what turkey pastrami was. It was there in the deli case.
1: I saw it. I mean, isn't that still a win?
0: Is still a win? Yeah, turkey and pastrami on a sandwich.
1: Even if it's not turkey pastrami, you get the best of everything.
0: Uh, here's the thing. I don't like pastrami that much. Oh, man. A. B, at the time and now, you know, intermittently, I try to veer away from red meat. So there was that. Hmm. C, I don't, not one of these. I guess I'm a bad New York Jew. I don't like these sandwiches, like, with 8,000 pieces of meat on them and then two little flimsy pieces of rye bread. Like, I like my meat to be... I like my meat to be easily handled, is what I was about to say.
1: <laughs> so, I could arrange it. Because I got one. Hey, the yo!
0: The jokes <laughs> never get old. Uh, so, yeah, like, fuck it. Turkey pastrami is great stuff. But if yeah. you work in a freaking sandwich counter, you don't know what it is. You know? It's, you need to get it together, man. We need, we need better employment training in this country, that's for sure.
1: That wraps us up uh, for our triumphal return. And hopefully, I know for a couple of weeks, we may be on a little bit of intermittent schedule because I'm still zigzagging around the East Coast of the United States. But um, as always, until you're elf on a shelf, you get angry at it, and it becomes a snitch in a ditch, we don't get it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2019.